0: Let the church say amen. Amen. Again, let the church say amen. Amen. Let me begin by saying that I missed you all last week. I was away and um, doing a wedding, but I was encouraged because you know a place is becoming home, if not home already, when you're away and you look forward to coming back. And so it is indeed good to be back in my own pulpit. And uh, by the way, some of you all have referenced that I am—I uh, look like I'm becoming more and more comfortable up here in the pulpit. And uh, I feel that way. And you all have a lot to do with that. So uh, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers, and uh, continue to pray—not just for my leadership as a whole, but pray for my pulpit ministry. Amen? Amen. Uh, Because this is what the Lord indeed has called me to, and I want to make sure he is honored up here. So please continue to pray. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Well, just by way of reminder, we are in a series up until Advent, and we are dealing with the idea of love in action. Say that with me. Love in action. Now, throughout the scriptures, and we've talked about this a good bit, we have these two important commandments. We are to love God, and then we are to love our neighbor. Well, in this series, we are trying to show what it looks like to love God, what it looks like to love our neighbor. And in the passage of Scripture this morning, we will deal primarily with the loving God part. What does it look like to love God? So, having said that, I'll invite you to stand if you're able. As the word of the Lord is read, I will read... From Luke chapter seven, now read verses thirty six through fifty in your hearing, and then I will pray and you can take your seat. The word of the Lord reads as follows And one of the Pharisees asked him, him being Jesus, uh, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisees' house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flax of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. you gave me no kiss but from the time i came in she has not ceased to kiss my feet you did not anoint my head with oil but she has anointed my feet with ointment therefore i tell you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but he who has forgiven little loves little and he said to her your sins are forgiven Those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, this is your word and we thank you for it. We pray now that your spirit would help me to declare what it is you would have me to say. And we pray that you would Also, open the ears and the hearts and the eyes of your people to receive what it is you would have us to receive. We thank you now for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In a previous sermon, I asked this question in a different way, but allow me, nonetheless, to ask it uh, again: If, if the Lord Himself were to ask you, "Why do you love Him?" Not "Do you love Him?" But "Why?" How would you answer that? Now, I don't want to move too quickly past that question because. I want you to think about that. If our Savior, if he were to ask you on today, why is it that you love him? How is it that you would answer that question? Now, whether or not you can answer that now, consider that a form of homework. The reason I want you to think about that is because, hopefully, hopefully, we can answer that in a variety of ways. For example, and and you know, I I I tend at least now to use my family often in illustrations. But again, that is strategic. As the new pastor, this is a way for you to see into my life and my family's life. But uh, as I start to uh, bore you with family illustrations, I'll use others. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, if, if, if Stephanie, let me be the good guy for once, actually. I'm always the bad guy, so to speak in, in the, uh, but if, 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 if my wife, Stephanie, by the way, raise your hand, just in case there's a visitor who doesn't know who she is. Yeah, she's like, she's, she likes <laughs> she's well. That's right. There is two. Uh, this is Stephanie, the preacher. Stephanie Watkins, the preacher's wife. Uh, there's another Stephanie Watkins here. That's why there she goes. By the way, <laughs> I, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but uh, but there was a confusion earlier a couple of weeks ago. My wife thought she was supposed to do hospitality, and we only been here couple of days, (laughs) and no one told us the two, and they figured all this out. But nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, if if I said to my wife, do you love me? She would say yes. Amen, Stephanie? (laughs) She would say yes. Now, I I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And the reality is, it would almost be a silly question. What would be more important to me is not whether or not she loves me, but why. I want you to answer that when we get home, by the way. (laughs) Why? Now, if she gave me because you are, I don't know what cute. (laughs) I would say, uh, okay. And and, and, and I would take that, I I suppose, you know, okay, I'm cute. Thank you. I'm glad you love me for that reason. But I would be interested to know, are there any other reasons? And if that was her only reason, that would kind of uh, disappoint me. Now, I bring that up because, yes, I suppose many of us would say the Lord died for our sins, and that should be a very good reason to love the Lord. Amen? 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 And by the way, I would hope that would be your first answer. Not the Lord has given me this nice car or this wonderful job, which we should love him for that, but priority. But I I want us to ask ourselves, what role does forgiveness play in our loving of God? Yes, the Lord has died for my sins. The Lord has delivered me from waywardness. The Lord healed my body or my mind. All great reasons for which we should love the Lord. But what role does forgiveness play in your love and in my love for God? This story right here, you will see the idea of forgiveness playing a prominent role in this sinful woman's love for Jesus. I'm not suggesting that the text is communicating that's the only reason for why she loves and displays this love toward Jesus, but it is a very prominent role in this particular passage. As a side note, and I won't, I'm not going to get too much into it, there is a similar um, incident in the Gospels. As a matter of fact, in Matthew, Mark, and John you will see a woman. John identifies her by the name as Mary. Many scholars believe that this is a separate incident for that, uh, compared to that, for a number of reasons. Uh, for one, this location is in the, uh, the northern region, whereas that took place, uh, the Mary, Mary's anointing took place in uh, Galilee, the southern part. Um, In the other example, Jesus' head is anointed. uh, Here, his feet is anointed. But I I at least wanted to throw that out there in case you're starting to think about why I don't reference that other part in light of what I'll be saying here. Um, I I believe it also makes sense that the two stories are separate uh, incidents. But uh, it's not uh, an issue worth fighting over, to be honest with you. Now, with the time that I have left, having said that, before we run quickly to the application, I want us to put ourselves in the feet of three people. For one, we'll put our feet, our, we'll, we'll put ourselves in the place of our Savior, Jesus Christ. From there, we will put ourselves in the place of the Pharisee, and then we will put ourselves in the place of the sinful woman, and our application will actually come from the sinful woman's uh, part in this passage. So without reading the passage again, as we have already read, this Pharisee, And Jesus has a variety of interactions with Pharisees, and and some are more intense, some are less intense. Uh, Most of the Pharisees, it seems as if they are uh, adamantly opposed to Jesus for a variety of reasons, and then there are some Pharisees who uh, are not as intense in their dislike. This Pharisee, whose name is Simon... Uh, it seems as if he is uh, on the fence, at least at face value. I mean, he invites Jesus uh, to his house, and it's reasonable to believe that he, he's trying to figure out what Jesus is all about. There's no question he's heard of him. There's no question he, he, he might have even witnessed Jesus in action. But nonetheless, this Pharisee invites Jesus into his house, and Jesus is sitting at the table with him and interacting and perhaps eating and drinking, and all of a sudden, this sinful woman, she hears that Jesus is present, and she runs in. And again, the text says right off the top that she comes in and she's in tears and she wipes his feet and anoints his feet. I mean, she is just expressing an amazing form of love for Jesus. And this causes some tension, or not necessarily tension, but at least a dilemma and a question for the Pharisee. This guy is supposed to be a prophet. At least that's what folks are saying about him. And if he were a prophet, does he not recognize who this woman is? She's touching on him, and she's, she's a, a terrible woman. And then Jesus goes on to illustrate this awesome form of love and forgiveness, which we'll come to that a little bit later. But again, let's look at Jesus for a second. And Jesus, what is it? about Jesus that draws the attention of the Pharisee? What is it about Jesus that draws the attention of the sinful woman? I've already alluded to the Pharisee on some level. For example, he might it seems as though he's curious. He wants to know about Jesus. Is he all that people says he is? So his seems to be more of of a, uh, not necessarily a suspicion, but he's inquiring, he's wanting to know. Whereas the woman, she recognizes something very significant about the Savior. What is it about Jesus that draws these two different but yet similar types of people together. And and by the way, they're both sinners. The Pharisee, who of course is this religious person who who would have been respected on some level uh, by the peers or by the people of his day, Uh, he would have been like a pastor, he would have been someone who, a scholar in a certain sense, Uh, this would have been someone who, again, would have been at the, the top one of the elite uh, in in those days. And yet, he seems to be blind to his own sin and his own condition. Whereas the woman who is also sinful, there's no question that she is mindful of her sinfulness. And Jesus, again, there is something to say about Jesus that he would interact with sinners. I mean, think about this for a second. For one, he goes to the house of the Pharisee, and Jesus knows that the Pharisees, even though they might think they have it together, the reality is they do not. They are far from having it together. And Jesus goes and enters his house. Jesus knows this woman who comes to her. He knows she's a sinner. She touches on Jesus and she's crying and doing all of this. And Jesus doesn't shoo her away or anything of that nature. Jesus welcomes sinners. Jesus interacts with sinners. Sinners. Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, and he has said elsewhere in the Gospels that he did not come for the healthy. He did not come for those who think they have it together, but he came for the sick, those who do not have it together, those who are broken, those who are in need and recognize their need. And the question becomes... Are we like Jesus in this form or fashion? What I mean is, and and again, this is uh, somewhat similar to a sermon I've already preached, but are we a place, are we a church where the broken feel as if they can come? Are we a place where those who recognize their dirtiness, their ugliness, their sin, do they feel as if this is a place where they can come and experience Jesus. It should be, and by God's grace, it will be, and praise God for the ways in which it has been. But nonetheless, let us be a place, again, where we are following our great Savior as it relates to our interactions with those who are sinful. Amen? Now, have we been or have we played the role of the Pharisee? And if we're honest, myself included, the Pharisee's story or his example is in Scripture, not just as a side note or not just for something, not something that we should just simply be mindful of, but because this is and can be a picture of our own hearts. Again, I've said the Pharisee would have been looked at, uh, looked at as someone who looks like they have it together. They would have been uh, the religious pastors of the day. They would have been, uh, in, on some level, your, your, your political elite. They would have been your scholars. And again, you know, to a degree or another, they would look different. But nonetheless, these were folks who thought they had it together. And when Jesus stepped on the scene, he communicated and showed them what they needed to know and what they needed to hear, but it was not something they were prepared for nor wanted to hear. And the truth is, Jesus will do that for us from time to time, if not often. What are the things that, that, you know, we are... Man, I can't believe these people believe that. I can't believe that person did this. I can't believe this person has the nerve to come up in this church knowing that they're doing this and that and so on and so forth. And some of these things can be valid thoughts and questions. But, but, when it comes at the expense of recognizing our own sinfulness, then we play the role a Pharisee, when I find myself far more concerned about the sin of another to the neglect of my own sin, then we play the role of the Pharisee. Again, this gentleman, and he was probably right. Simon was probably right. This is a sinful woman. She probably would have had a reputation that that exceeded her. And folks would have known of her brokenness and her ugliness. She wouldn't have been some, uh, oh, she's a little sinner. She might have done a little X, Y, and Z. She would have been someone that folks would have looked at and been like, oh, Lord, have mercy. He would have recognized that. But how he responded to her presence was all off. Instead of rejoicing that she's coming to Jesus, instead he judges her in a way that is unbecoming of a follower of Christ. And so may God forgive us as individuals, as a church, for the times that we have been the Pharisee, when we have looked down on sinners and judged them without contemplating our ugliness. May that not be the case. And this is not, this is not me saying that we don't have a scriptural president to, to, to call out sin, if you will, or to, to, to encourage people to turn from their wicked ways. We should be doing that. But again, when there's a mix of self-righteousness involved, when there's this uh, aroma of, of you are less than me because of your sin, then we play the role of Pharisee. And we must be careful of that. Amen? The sinful woman, she is the complete opposite. When she comes in, she runs and she recognizes she needs to be there because Jesus is there. And she runs in, and, and without getting into all of the cultural uh, interactions that's happening as it relates to, uh, you know, the cleansing of his feet and travel and, and dirt and all of that, the, the big picture here is she ex- expressing a major form of love for her Savior. As a matter of fact, if you will look at verse number 47, after Jesus is telling Simon, hey, you've not done all of these things that she's done for me, Jesus goes on to say, therefore I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven Little loves little. It is not to suggest that she has this scholars-like mentality and that she knows everything there is to know about Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus' disciples, his apostles who are walking with him, there are things they're trying to figure out and don't fully understand. But the thing that she knows is that Jesus is where she needs to be. She knows that Jesus is able to forgive. She knows that Jesus welcomes folks like her. She understands this, and she understands it by faith. She she doesn't just communicate her love. For Jesus, verbally, she shows it in her actions in this passage. Now, the three application points that I want us to take from her example. Again, this is all about, well, this is primarily about loving God. We are called to love God. And of course, we're to do this with all our soul, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our, with our whole being. We are to love God. Well, what informs, what helps us to love God? The first thing that I would suggest is that we must have a sufficient knowledge of our own sinfulness. Stay with me. In loving God as he deserves I guess you can put it. Loving God as he should be loved involves us having a sufficient knowledge of our sin. Again, this woman's love is it's, it's, it's told in the context of her character. She is a sinful woman. And there's no reason to think that she hides that. If anything, she is probably transparent. I don't venture to say that she revels in her sin. You know, that's speculating. But the point is, she has a reputation of being a sinner. The Pharisee knows it. Jesus knows it. She knows it. And this knowledge of her own sin is what drives her love for Jesus. Now, when it comes to our sin, there will be folks whose testimony, it will be just mind-boggling. How they were delivered from X, Y, and Z. And then there will be folks whose whose testimony might not be as exciting or dramatic. But regardless of where you fall, the scripture teaches us that there is none who is good. That we all have fallen short. The scriptures will lead us to believe, as a matter of fact, that we were all born and shaped in iniquity. So whether your testimony or your knowledge of sin is a dramatic one or not so dramatic, we all have sin for which Jesus paid the price. And knowledge of that sin And this is not a morbid, uh, you know, there's a sense in which we should and we we have to be mindful of our, our sin. But on the flip side of the coin, we also need to be mindful of what the Lord has or how he is growing us in him. We need both. But that being said, I would venture to communicate to you and myself that to love God as this woman loves God. We should have a sufficient knowledge of our sinfulness. The second thing is we must have a sufficient knowledge of the person and work of Jesus. Again, she knows something about Jesus that draws her to him. She didn't say, you know what, he is someone where I got to get myself together before I go to him. I have to dress a certain kind of way. I have to smell. I have to stop doing this. I have to start doing that. There's no indication that any of that is taken into consideration. Instead, she runs to Jesus in light of her being a sinner because she knows that Jesus is there for people like her. Now, of course, on this side of the cross... We look and we see that Jesus has paid the price for our sin upon the cross. He has come and he has taken away the wrath that was due our sin. And instead he gives us life in him. And this is something that only he could do. This is not something we could do. We could not get ourselves right with God. We could not fix what has been broken. Instead, that is Jesus' role. And she runs to such a Jesus. And so when it comes to loving God, not only should we be mindful of our sin and let that sin, let that sin drive us to Jesus, but we must be mindful of who Jesus is and what he has done. And when it comes to it, we will see that we are forgiven. The third thing is, we must demonstrate our love for God with tangible actions. This woman, again, she didn't just come to Jesus and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, I love you, I love you. That would have been good, and maybe she did, and it's not recorded. But following the text itself, she comes and she expresses her love for Jesus in action with tears, using her hair and ointment to wipe his feet. You will remember that even in the Gospels, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, this is not a love. This is not action that earns Jesus' love. This is not action that earns his forgiveness. This is action because we are loved. This is action because we are forgiven. This woman's expression of love is not just a matter of seeking something for Jesus. Forgiveness. And he goes on to end this passage by saying, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. As I close, brothers and sisters, one of the things about us being believers and followers of Christ we are a forgiven people amen i want think about that for a second we are a forgiven people meaning we had dirt we had ugliness that needed to be dealt with and Some of us, the dirt is so ugly, the actions are so bad that it's hard for us to forgive ourselves. For some of us, we're we're finding ourselves in situations where we've done a neighbor wrong and they are struggling to forgive us. But the Scriptures teaches us that for those Who are in Christ. For those who run to Christ, no matter what you have done, no matter how stained you are, there is forgiveness in him. He has forgiven you. He has forgiven me. And he is not one to hold grudges. He is not one to to take back such forgiveness, it is with us. And though we may not feel righteous, we may not feel holy, we may not feel like a child of God, His Word is true. We are His. And a part of being His is that we are not only loved, we're not only provided for, but we are forgiven. And when we recognize this forgiveness, It should drive us to love him more. It should encourage us to love him more. Now, remember, this is the Lord. And it is he who declares that we are forgiven. And you can rest assured that his word is true. And so, brothers and sisters, again, we are called to love God. And of all the things that he has done for us that should drive our love, let us for this morning, let us for this week reflect on the fact that forgiveness should play a major part in our love for God. And as we are forgiven in him, may we seek to forgive those who need it from us. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless your most holy name. And Father, we ask even now, that you would help us to become more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. Our Savior who has forgiven us. Our Savior who has washed us. Our Savior who has redeemed us. Lord, help us to be like him. Help us to welcome sinners. Help us to forgive Help us to interact and be a people where broken folks feel like they can come because Jesus is amongst us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times in which we have played the role of the Pharisee when we've exalted our own self-righteousness and judged those who are broken, those who are out. Forgive us for that. And Father, help us to follow the example of the sinful woman. Help us, instead of of isolating ourselves when we are uh, mired in sin, instead of despairing and, and turning away, help us to run to Jesus all the more. Lord, as we grow in you, help us to see the sin that still resides. And as we see it, may we repent By your grace, may we turn from it. We pray also, Lord, that you would help us to reflect daily and to learn more about our great Savior. Help us to see him from his word. Help us to appreciate his work every day. And Father, help us to show our love. Help us to express it, not just in the worship service, but at work, at home, in our neighborhoods. Let our love be seen. And may you be honored and glorified by it. Thank you so much for our great Savior. Thank you for what he has done for us upon the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness that is ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'll ask you all to rise again if you're able as we close out.